Today's sermon text is from Philippians, second chapter, verses five through seven. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is God's word. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Chris and Robert, for um, leaving that in there. It was supposed to be on the joke. Uh, the brilliant, the handsome, and the humble part. I'm certainly humbled to be here. Um, can I back up just a touch? <laughs> so I don't have to put my head on too much of a swivel. Um, I feel some fear and some uh, anger and some gladness, and some loneliness. Uh, if any of you know anything about the spiritual root system that I operate from, you'll know what I'm talking about. Those of you who don't, uh, let me just give you a little education. That means I'm scared because I always get scared before I speak in front of a new audience. I've been, I taught for 20 years at, at uh, Crichton College, Victory University. Some of you are familiar with that school. So, and, but believe it or not, it never, it never got any better. Uh, getting up in front of a group and speaking, I was always scared with a new group. Um, plus, this is the largest audience I've spoken to probably in a long time. Plus, I've never preached. I'm not a preacher. Robert said, you want to preach Sunday morning? I said, dude, I'm, uh, I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher. And he said, we'll just have to put up with your teaching. So uh, He spoke for you. You're going to have to put up with my teaching. Um, and uh, so I have some fear about that. Uh, and then... Um, uh, glad to be here because I'm passionate about what I'm going to tell you. Uh, if you've seen the, t- you haven't yet. If you, <laughs> Izzy, help me, buddy. Um, the title of my uh, message today is the inadequacy of Jesus, um, um, or what does it mean to be human? Then um, I'm passionate about helping us all understand the humanity of Jesus and His inadequacy, meaning. Well, I'll explain that in a minute. So I'm passionate about that. And then my loneliness is that I just live lonely. Um, I grew up in a family where I didn't really feel known, feel known. And so I've been working through that my whole life. What does it mean to be known? Does anybody really know you? Do you know anybody else particularly uh, um, uh, intimately? So that's, that's kind of where I live. I um, cannot read uh, my notes. Is there a better light maybe that could come like here? I, I'm going to have to do this all day if I don't do that. See? Thank you. Is that better? Dude, thank you. And Jeremy, oh my gosh. Jeremy. Where did you find him? Don't lose him either. My gosh. Keep this guy. Uh, and I don't just mean him and this whole team, wonderful team that you had up there, but I want to say that I don't remember the last time I was in the music portion of a worship service where I seriously wasn't ready for it to end at a certain point. Just, just keep going. Honestly, just keep doing it. Man. I have to admit, some of that might have been rooted by fear of the fact that I'm the next thing.
Uh, I was here yesterday um, teaching on uh, what it means to be uh, an emotionally healthy parent, and I uh, was so warmly welcomed here. So many happy faces, friends, friends I've met, friends I've known for a while, and it was just terrific. Thank you all. What a great church. Um, your staff did not try to allure us here, but some of your members did. We were at First of Ann for 30 years, and um, actually, it's tempting. Um, I'm going to admit that. It's tempting. So my... Um, my wife is here. Um, she's, uh, we've been married, like you said, 36 years, and we have three children. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm lying. It's only 35. Uh, we'll be 36 uh, in November. So it's close. Pretty, pretty, pretty close. I think that's fairly safe to say. We'll probably make it. <laughs> and um, we, have, we have pet names for each other. Um, uh, years ago, we decided that we would use Native American names um, for each other. And since I have become everything I am because of her, uh, she, she knows this and she's proud of it. I am URUO, Native American name, URUR, because all I am, I owe to her. See? I'm URUO. And she likes to read in bed at night um, before she goes to sleep. So a couple of hours of that, you know what happens to the breath? It gets a little stale. So she is breath of her who reads in bed. Yeah. And this is my daughter, Caitlin. She's my youngest, and uh, she's 23. She's also here to see. And my mother-in-law, who also lives with us, is came came to see us. That's, I'm, uh, she's the sweetest thing. And I think they came to, just just in case nobody else showed up that I'd have an audience. <laughs> so what I'm about to talk about um, is, uh, as I said, yeah, there it is. Thank you, Izzy. Um, is about um, the inadequacy of Jesus. And you read this passage, and you might want to follow along with me one more time. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles turned on or open or however you do your Bible. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. Um, So what does it mean for Jesus to take on human nature or to take on the likeness of men? And how did it affect his life on earth? That's what I want to talk about. Um, We know that he was fully God and he was fully man. This is part of the creeds of the church. The church has believed this since its inception. It was codified probably 300, something like that, right? AD, okay? This is a fundamental belief of the church that he was fully God and he was fully man. Um, So what, what does that mean? What does it mean that he was fully man? I, I submit to you today that it means he was inadequate for life. He could not live because he was just because he was human. He needed help. So that's what we're going we're gonna to deal with in a little bit. But, but in order to f- understand that, I think we have, to, um, we have to see what it was like for him before. So we have to go back again to the beginning. We talked about yesterday. We've do, we always have to go back to the seminal notion of Genesis. What was it like before he was incarnate? Remember that God has always existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not not become, Jesus didn't exist at the incarnation. He existed as the Son eternally, right? And I like feedback. I feed on energy. So, I mean, your energy, give me something. Give me some energy back, okay? Thank you. So he always existed, 
The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I, when I was in, uh, I was raised in Sunday school at a Southern Baptist church. Uh, this is no attack on Southern Baptist churches, but this particular Sunday school teacher said, when I, when I asked, or somebody asked, why did God create human, humans? Why did God create man? He said, because God was lonely. Okay? Um, it's not necessarily heretical because the man didn't, just didn't know, but it was wrong. And there's a difference between being wrong and being heretical, right? Because God cannot be lonely. Can he? No, because he always has the Son. He always has the, whole, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit always in relationship with each other. No such thing as lonely. But they do have potential loneliness, theologians call God having potential loneliness. Because if the Father wasn't there, the Son wasn't there, they could be lonely. But they can't be. <laughs> See, right? It's a paradox. So when uh, Jesus was in, you know, eternally existent, he never had any such thing they, they lived, exist, excuse me, they existed in perfect relational satisfaction. Perfect relational satisfaction. Never doubted that I could, he would be used or exploited or had anything used, uh, um, had any fear that some, one of the other persons of the Godhead was going was gonna, to uh, um, stab him in the back with something. He, was never, he never feared that they would take his feelings and use them against him or talk bad about him behind his back. See, never going to happen. He never feared being abandoned. He never feared that he wouldn't be, that the one of the other persons of the Godhead wouldn't be there when he needed it. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Never had any fear that he would need to have to go off into the wilderness to find the Father. You tracking with me? He never feared that he would be so exhausted that he needed to go into the desert, right? To, to be alone, to be with the Father. Never anything like that, ever. Completely satisfied relationally with the Father and uh, with the Holy Spirit. That's what he gave up. He gave all that up to become, a, to become a man. He surrendered perfect relational satisfaction. So as a human, and this I haven't even been able to fathom yet, haven't even figured this out, but he became like Adam... He became like Adam before the fall and before Eve. Do you remember what happened to Adam and Eve? To Adam before he, God created Eve in Genesis chapter 2? Adam is, um, Adam, it says, God says about Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he says, I'll make him a, a helpmeet. He says, I'll make him a companion. But before he does that, it's fascinating. He brings him all the other animals to name them, right? He brings all the other animals to name them. And then Adam looks at all these animals, and he gives them all a name, and he notices that they all have companions, but like he looks at the giraffe, and he looks at the unicorn. Unicorn? There's not such thing as unicorns. <laughs> I take Topamax. Uh... Topamax is a nerve pain medication, and it messes with my vocabulary, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, sometimes words come out, out of my, come out of my mouth that I don't mean, and they just kind of show up, and I either can't think of the right word or I use the wrong word. So I say unicorns when I mean... Sometimes I'll say, honey, close the barn, and I might mean uh, sh shut whatever the door or shut it's something. I do that, don't I, Kate? Yeah, I'll just use words that just show up. 
or I can't think of the right word. So anyway, he sees, he sees an armadillo, he sees a chimpanzee, he sees, he sees the giraffe, he sees the, um, the water buffalo, and he says, none of those seem to work for me. <laughs> right? Um, you know, nothing's happening. <laughs> nothing's stirring. And, and what is stirring, though, is loneliness. Right? He stirs loneliness inside of him, so he needs a companion. It's like God, Tim, Tim Keller says, not Tim Keller, is it Tim Keller? Is that the Tim Keller quote? It's like God to be lonely. We all need relationship. God needed relationship if it were possible for God to need relationship because he always has relationship. He doesn't need it, but if he didn't have it, he'd need it. And that's what Jesus was on earth. A man in need of relationship. See? He didn't have a wife, but he needed friends. And he needed the father. And he needed, see? He was like Adam, having to find something. He was inadequate for life. In other words, he needed, he needed something to help him get through life. Um, And if that's true for him, are you tracking? You think we might need help? We think we might need help? Let me give you some examples. Luke chapter 4. It's going to be up there any minute now. Luke chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Now, this passage is usually taught, and I understand it theologically about and, and, uh, and uh, evangelically, like uh, evangelistically. Yeah, maybe that's a better word. I don't know. But about Jesus and what he does in terms of relationship with Samaritans and all that. And I understand that, and that's probably, uh, probably the deeper message here. But I just want you to look at Jesus' humanity here. In John chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, it says... But he had to pass through Samaria. He's on his way to Galilee, uh, Jesus is, from the lower portions from Jerusalem, I believe. Had to pass through Samaria. Jesus came to a Samaritan town called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Uh, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, since he was tired from the journey, sat down beside the well. Um, it was about noon. And a Samaritan woman came to draw. And Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. For the disciples had gone off into the town to buy supplies. So you get this picture, right? They're traveling. And um, I don't know. We don't have this in the text. But I think it's fairly safe to say that Jesus probably said something like this. You guys go into Sychar and get some supplies. Because, dudes, I'm tired. You see, Jesus was inadequate for life. He couldn't get through life alone. He had to sit on a rock. He had a stone or something. He had to sit down. I'm tired. What kind of supplies did he need? Food? Water? Well, the water was at the well probably. But he needed water because he says to the woman, what's he say to her? Give me a drink. Why? He was thirsty. Simple, isn't it? He was thirsty. Jesus was inadequate for life. His body could not get through life without water. He needed water. Uh, he needed rest. And I know that he uses this to gospel and evangelize and changes the world and all that. But 
we need, he had needs that he, he, and, and, and he wasn't afraid to express them. Do you ever get tired and say, no, I'm not tired. I'm good. No, I'm good. Do you ever sit through a, a message like this or a seminar or sit with some friends and you're, you're kind of going, man, to yourself, I got to go to the bathroom, but I don't want to interrupt this thing. I don't want to embarrass myself or I'm thirsty and I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to embarrass myself or I don't want people to think I have needs or I don't want, right? We don't want to let people know we have needs. Jesus did what? I got to rest. Someone says, you want to go out tonight? Want to hang out? Want to go do this? Want to go that? Well, deep down inside you say, I don't. I don't really want to because I'm tired. But you go anyway because... Because, go ahead, say Don't want to let people down. Don't want, to make, don't want people to think you're, a, you're weak or you're a loser or you don't like them. Worst of all, what if, they, what if they think you don't like them? Oh, right, right, see? Got to go to the bathroom? Go to the bathroom. You, you got to go, you got to go. We just call it taking care of yourself, right? I'm sorry, Lindsay. Tired, you're tired, you're thirsty, you're thirsty, you're hungry, you're hungry. Admit it, make your needs what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. Oh my gosh. The next one is in Luke chapter 4, uh, no, 8. And it's this simple passage. It just says, and, and when they sailed out across the water, he fell asleep. Why? Because he was tired. Let's look at another one. Here's another one. Um, in Jude, Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Ah, thanks. While he was, you're great. Izzy, you're the best. Or maybe it's not even Izzy. Maybe it's that girl sitting down there. But you're the best. <laughs> uh, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy fell from him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Now here, just keep... Just stay with this context. Just try to put yourself in it. Now, uh, now even more, uh, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to him, hear him, and to heal them of their infirmities. And then, then you can just sense this. He goes, and he would withdraw to a desolate place to pray. There's another passage that says, as was his habit. He got up early in the morning to go off to pray. I don't know, for years, when I would read this, all I thought was, all I would feel was guilt. Because I don't get up early in the morning to go off to a desolate place to pray. Because I don't feel this passion, this easy sense that I should do that. I don't have the discipline to do that. Make it all about me. I don't know about you, but I always do that. I make it about me. But but I think what Jesus here is um, demonstrating is his humanness. His divinity, certainly, but his humanness. He needed to be with the Father. He was worn out. You got to go to Disney World once in a while. You know? I'm lonely, and sometimes my wife and I have to just say to each other, I just need to be with you. We don't do it often enough. We just need some time. And sometimes I'll say to her, Honey, I need to not be with you right now. I need to be alone. 
And she understands that because I'm an introvert. Any introverts in here? Other introverts? Okay. Now, the rest of you are extroverts, or are you somewhere in between? Something like that? Show me an extrovert. Really extroverted. Okay, okay. Now, you extroverts, cool it. Okay? Especially if you're ministers, your leaders, your people who go out there and you preach the gospel to strangers and, you know, you just don't meet a stranger, okay? And you look at those introverts and you start judging them because they don't walk up to strangers and share the gospel with them, okay? Okay? You guys chill. There are whole gospel and and Christian movements that don't understand because they're extroverts, that introverts just don't do that. Okay? We're not bent that way. It doesn't mean we can't still be Christians. <laughs> we can even be good Christians, godly, spirit-filled Christians who are doing exactly what we were made to do. So, But many extroverts think because they find it easy, they think everybody should do that. Okay? I know, this was free. That's not in the sermon. Not, <laughs> it's not even in my notes. This is just a burning desire that I have. Okay? So... Um, now, it doesn't left you off the hook from doing everything you're supposed to do, but be who you are supposed to be. Find out who you are and do that and do it because that's what you're supposed to be doing based on who God made you, okay? All right. Give me a bigger amen than that. Come on. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Thank you. And a hallelujah too. All right. So the only way that we're... But here, here's the kicker, and this is what makes this whole thing so very difficult and why Jesus found it. Um, Jesus did it, and we all say, well, we ought to, well, we ought to be like Jesus. <laughs> okay, well, he was also divine, right? He was human. He was divine. So he sets up this model for us. He sets up a model for us, and then like everything else, we can't do it, right? So I'm going to tell you what we need to do, and then I'm going to tell you you can't do it. So stick with me. <laughs> How am I doing on time? Okay, three minutes. <laughs> okay, so we have the, 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 the model that it's that at least, if you, if you walk away with this, at least it's okay to ask for your needs to be met. Jesus did it. It's also okay to pursue your needs to be met. Jesus did it. Um, the, uh, so we need, for example, we need forgiveness, don't we? Right? But there are barriers to that. Why do we not ask for forgiveness? We're afraid people won't forgive us. Uh, we're afraid that uh, we don't deserve forgiveness. We also have pride, right? Pride keeps us from asking for forgiveness because we don't think we've done anything wrong. Or we think that person has hurt us just as much as they hurt us, and they haven't, uh, we hurt them, and they haven't asked us to forgive, for forgiveness, so what the heck's going on, right? How do we do that? Humility. Here's the definition of shame. This is the thing that I'm talking about with Jesus' inadequacy. The inadequacy for life. What Jesus understood that we have a hard time grasping is that he not only had needs, but he also had strengths. He was divine, but he was also human. And what we don't get and we have a hard time understanding is God's given us gifts and strengths, but he's also given us, or we have because of the fall, weaknesses, which means we have to admit our weaknesses, our flaws, our need for forgiveness, at the same time that we accept that God has given us gifts and abilities, that is 1 Corinthians 12. That is Romans 12. That is Ephesians 4. See? And those are all the passages, I believe, in the New Testament that have to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You and you and you and you all fit in the body of Christ. You're an ear and you're a nose and you're an elbow and you're a kidney and you're a 
do the kidney, elbow, knee thing. That's it. It's not about how you're doing in comparison to someone else. It's just what are you doing? Are you playing the thing that you've been given to play, the role you've been given to play? You don't have to do it. It's not about being better. It's just being, be a good kidney. Okay? Just do what kidneys do. And let her be the elbow. Be a good elbow. See? And that's a balance of sense of, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at, brother. And would you please forgive me? Okay? Isn't it freeing when you finally get to the point where you just say, I'm going to stop defending myself? You know? Instead of always coming up with reasons why, I don't have to go there. I don't have to ask for forgiveness or I shouldn't have to or she should have to re- apologize to me first and, and all these things. And you finally, every time I've done it, and I haven't done it every time, but every time I've just said, oh, just admit it. I'm wrong. And go to the person. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I will endeavor not to do that again. There's just huge lift burden lifts off we need acceptance we need to matter we need to belong all these things are our needs that if we don't get them we will be less than human we will be less than the way god designed us to be and this is what jesus did he lived that life of awareness of his needs and then he expressed them and then people showed up in those spaces in that space and if we don't do it we will be less than human um, when Jesus didn't get his needs met, Luke, I'll speed through this. Luke uh, 15, 34, because we don't always get our needs met. It's just not going to happen in this fallen world. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who, sent to, who were sent to you. How often I longed to gather you as your children. You gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you would not. What happens when he didn't get his needs met? He lamented. Chip Dodd, author of The Voice of the Heart, Needs of the Heart, and several other books, wrote, says this, those who live the best, grieve the best. Because we live in a broken world, a fallen world, where sometimes you don't get what you need, and grieving is the only option. It's the only healthy option. What do you do if you don't feel your feelings? What if you do if you're not, if you're not willing to grieve and hurt and have pain? What are you going to do? Say it again. Calloused. Because you don't want to feel, right? What are some easy ways to not feel? Preoccupy yourself. Find something. Withdraw. Medicate. What are some of our favorite medications? Whiskey. Whiskey. (laughs) Rum. Um, so alcohol, drugs, sex, shopping, oh, phones, uh, farm heroes, music, farm heroes is my drug of choice, TV, any sort of entertainment, work, re- chocolate, cake, the number one addiction in the country is sugar, number one addiction, sugar, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, anything that makes you, that, that medicates you, keeps you from feeling, not just any feelings, but primarily pain. We don't want to hurt. And one of the things that hurts us is when people don't meet our needs. When we reach out to someone, they don't respond to us, 
We don't want to hurt the hurt that we feel when that happens, so we medicate. We hide, right? Jesus was willing to be hurt. You know what passion means? The passion of the Christ, the pain of the Christ. He was an angry man. He lived his life angry, and he was willing to be angry because he was willing to be, excuse me, because he was willing to hurt. I want to leave you with one passage, and then we'll stop. There's so much more to say. Yeah. I can? Okay. Okay. You, you asked for it. Um, <laughs> he longed for his relationship with his people. Let me show you another one then. Um, oh, this one breaks your heart. Math, uh, this was uh, beautiful and heartbreaking. Mark 15. Yeah, great. Gosh, you guys are good. Mark 15, 33. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out. He expressed his grief, his loss, his need for connection was not met. His, need, his, his connection with the Father was ruptured. Right? His connection with his father was ruptured. What did he give up when he became a man? Connection with his father. And this is the most severe loss right here. And he was willing to, uh, to experience that this is what it meant to be human. He was needy. We can be needy. The only option we have is either to grieve or to medicate. Can I tell that story? Um, some of you heard this story yesterday, but my daughter, uh, who's with me today, is, uh, was telling me, asked me a few years ago, I guess about a year ago maybe, she has a, she has a psychological disorder. It's called schizoaffective disorder. Um, schizoaffective disorder is a form of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder in one person. So that means she has hallucinations and delusions, and she has mood swings up and down. And so uh, because it's so hard to, to explain to people or to even talk about the delusions and the hallucinations, um, she just calls him Fred. Okay? So Fred is the delusions, the hallucinations part, and all of it put together, but mostly the delusions and hallucinations. So she calls Fred. We all do in the whole family. Hey, Fred. <laughs> and so uh, how's Fred? <laughs> and so... Uh, we, uh, the other, uh, uh, about last year sometimes, she said, she started taking a new medication and Fred was starting to go away with the medications. It was helpful. It was good, um, uh, by and large. And so she had me sit down on her, on her bed with her one day and said, uh, she said, Dad, I need you to understand why I think, why I'm afraid for Fred to go away completely. And, um, and I said, I think I do. So I started to tell her why I thought she was afraid. And um, I, have a, I have a doctorate in counseling. I have a, I'm a licensed professional counselor, so, of course, I knew. You know, I'm, he, he said I was brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, and I was wrong. I was wrong. She said, no, that's, that's not exactly it. She said, it's because, um, it's because if Fred goes away completely... Then, uh, 
Life is hard. Life is hard without Fred. And I said, honey, I said, you are, you are wiser than most people I know twice your age. But you're right. Life is hard. And, um, and I said, in fact, life is, I'll, I'll clean this up a little bit. I said, life is crappy. But I didn't say crappy. Um, life is crappy and all I really have to offer you is that God is faithful. God is faithful and he will be with you and I will be with you. I will be with you. I'm not going anywhere. God will be faithful and I will be with you and that's all I got. Sometimes that's all you got. And I put my arm around her and we sat there in her, her grief and her sadness, and my grief and her sadness and my sadness. And uh, I said, are you hungry? She said, yeah. I said, let's go eat some pancakes. So we went and got pancakes. Sometimes you don't get what you need. I don't, I don't get what I need. I need to be rescued from my pain. I need to get out of crappiness. I need to get out. We don't. All we got is, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. That's it. The valley of the shadow of death is still the valley of the shadow of death. But God is with you. And oftentimes, because we, we created relationally, someone else is with you there too. I need her as much as she needs me, by the way. Don't tell her I said that. It could change the whole dynamic. I want to leave you with uh, with a passage um, of scripture that is so so very comforting. It's Hebrews chapter four. In the midst of all this, it says, uh, starting at verse fifteen, it says, and this brings it all back full circle, doesn't it? You've already read it. I'm going to read it out loud, but it's up there now. Uh, brings the whole thing full circle about Jesus' inadequacy, his humanness, our inadequacy, our humanness, our need, and his state status with us now in heaven. See? We do not have a high priest incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in every way is just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace, listen, when we need, when we need help. But it's when we need, see? Beautiful, isn't it? Father, you've been kind. Lord Jesus, um, if we uh, could possibly grasp the nature of your humanity, maybe we would be more quick to uh, reach out to you, uh, to your spirit, 
and get our needs addressed and uh, be honest about such things and to each other. Maybe the gospel would be uh, spread more thoroughly, not only in, uh, to the world and our community, but more thoroughly in our own lives. We ask um, that you'd be, be honored by what the, we do the rest of this day and the rest of this week coming up. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. Amen.